0: Hi folks, welcome to the Happy Saver podcast. Your friends might not want to talk about their journey with money, but I sure do. I'm Ruth and I'm a blogger on personal finance in New Zealand. And in this podcast series, I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. This week I caught up with two people that I spoke to in the first podcast series because although separate, each of them were on a mission and one of them was on a mission to become debt free in the shortest time possible and the other was on a mission to retire at the grand old age of 44. Well, our catch-ups did not disappoint, and both of them have, in the last six months, made some really fantastic progress towards their own unique goals, and I'm really excited to share this with you today. But before I do that, here is a quick message from today's sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Superlife Invest. I used to be scared to invest because I didn't understand how I could do it myself, So cash just sat around in my bank account earning very little, but I knew that I was missing out on investment returns by not taking action. Superlife Invest offer a broad range of investment options that make it easy for you to invest, whether it's for the very first time or for seasoned investors. You can pick and mix funds to make up a portfolio, or keep it super simple by choosing a managed fund that suits your risk profile. Their fees are low, you can adjust your portfolio at any old time free of charge, and keep track of your balance using their awesome mobile app. It is actually really easy to become an investor, you just have to take action and make a start. Go on, you know you can do it. So jump onto superlife.co.nz to sign up in minutes and download a copy of the product disclosure statement and choose Superlife, which is managed by SmartShares, for your savings and investments. I want to start with Brady, who I last spoke to in October 2017, and I wanted to catch up with her again just to see how her journey out of debt was coming along. If you have not heard her story, then go back to Season 1, Episode 1, The Tipping Point, A Buddha and a Movie, and have a listen first. But just a quick recap for the rest of you, Brady and her husband Paul found themselves living the Kiwi dream with their own beautiful home, three rental properties and nice cars parked in the driveway. But it was actually a nightmare because of the large amount of debt that they had attached to all of this $566,000 to be precise. They were living paycheck to paycheck, and when that was not enough, as it invariably wasn't, out came the credit cards as well. And if Brady wanted it, she bought it, while her husband Paul, he just quietly worried about the state of their finances in the background. Now, three important events happened, which gave them a big jolt, and it was just the jolt that they needed. While on a weekend away in New Plymouth, Brady bought a Buddha statue, and Paul took her to task over her excessive purchase. Then secondly, while again on a weekend away, this time in Auckland, paid for on the credit card, they watched the movie The Big Short and that was all about the subprime mortgage lending crisis in the United States. And the third was that tragically Brady lost her beloved sister and before she passed, she talked to Brady about what she called standing in her truth and owning the situation that she found herself in. Stepping back and taking a look at their situation together, they realised that it was time to make a change in their lives and to stop living this false existence that they had created. And it was time for Brady to stand in her own truth at long last. Now when I spoke to Brady back in October 2017, They had the mortgage balance down to $120,000 and they achieved this by selling off their poorly performing rental properties and tracking every single cent that came in and out of their lives. They slashed each and every living cost and became really hardcore frugal. No more weekends away in the short term. And I've been following her journey on Instagram ever since, and you can see her too at Kiwi Girl on a Budget. as week by week the debt numbers slowly tick down. Because they are paying it down so quickly, I even had to contact her again just before I recorded this today so I could give a really accurate debt figure. So as of very early May 2018... Their balance is down to $87,205 and they are showing no signs of waning and they are still looking for every single opportunity to earn more and spend even less. And actually, if anything, they've really ramped it up because um, they are just getting so much traction and as Brady stated, it's become quite addictive. Last year they slashed a whopping $52,000 off their debt and this year she is calculating that they will slash $70,000 off it and they expect to be debt free by mid-2019. I predict it will be sooner than that because these two are really on fire. Neither are on huge incomes but they have an extremely high savings rate of, wait for it, 70%. Now that is impressive and just to be clear what that means for every $100 that they make they put $70 towards their debt and these numbers are enough to make those in the Fi community swoon. So what are they doing to achieve this staggering rate? Well last time we spoke her husband Paul who has always been the frugal one in the marriage he was on board But his habits, they didn't really need to change that much because he had always been a conscious spender. But now his attitude has really changed and he just wants to smash out the debt and be done with it. So now he is picking up extra shifts and working Saturdays whenever he can to bring in extra cash, which has been a huge help. They have refined all of their living expenses down to just $2,000 a month and everything else goes to debt. Just think about that, that's $24,000 per year to cover their food, their power, their rates, their insurances, everything. And because they are now such great budgeters, there is even room for a bit of fun in there. So the occasional trips away are starting to happen again, but this time they are paying cash for them. She said that just when she thinks she can't possibly save any more, she finds a new way. And when she sees the progress they are making, it just spurs them on to keep going. This year alone, as at early May, they have paid off $25,000 and now they are obviously paying a lot less in interest and are really hitting the principal of their mortgage hard now. Brady and Paul had planned a night away in Auckland and we talked about this last time. They were going to take their three children and their grandchild away. When they cracked this big $100,000 mark, well, by the time they got away on that trip, which is all budgeted for and all planned, they were actually already down to $90,000 because the speed it is going down even surprised them and they didn't book the hotel quick enough, which I thought was kind of funny. So when in the words of Sir Edmund Hillary, they knocked the bastard off, they are planning another celebration weekend, hopefully this time in Queenstown. And a little bit of publicity has come her way when Brady put herself out there by appearing in an article for her local newspaper where she told her quite personal story. This had the unintended but extremely welcome consequence of people reaching out to her and asking for her help and advice and she realises now that this is what she wanted to do to help someone younger than her or older Avoid the financial anxiety that she had found herself in, and she also did something that even I have not done because I'm a big wimp. and she spoke in front of a hundred people about her journey with her key message being: "I want to try to make a new normal. The old normal is being comfortable in debt, keeping up with the Joneses, and living paycheck to paycheck. And the new normal is pay with cash and live within your means. By speaking publicly about her own journey, Brady is trying to be, for someone else, something she wishes she had when she was young. That is, someone to show her a better way with money, and it makes her day when she receives a message from someone saying that she has inspired them and she has helped them. Brady is still using the Excel spreadsheet that she created at the beginning of her journey to track her spending and she now gives this away for free to those who contact her. Plus she has created her own mortgage tracking calculator because she was really frustrated that she could not find one online that gave her exactly what she wanted. So she made her own and it's bang on to the cent. She now offers this to people for $19.95 if they want to use it themselves. And to help people use it correctly, she actually personalizes it so it is unique to them and their own debt. And she's really loved being involved in helping people get started on their long journey out of debt and giving them an end date to head for. She's even sat down one on one with a local woman who approached her that needed help with designing up her own budget. And she got a lot of pleasure out of helping that woman. And the exciting thing with Brady and Paul is the huge progress they have made in such a short time. Remember, they only began this journey in 2016, but it has not been a walk in the park. Personal finance has become her passion. Clearing their debt has become her focus and some might say her obsession. And she is excited to see where the next year or two is going to take them. And I know that they are followers of personal finance personality, um, the American guy, Dave Ramsey. And I'm pretty sure that what he would say is that they are going to be millionaires in no time and outrageously generous along the way. And to mark the end of this journey, Brady would like to do a debt-free scream on his show. Just Google debt-free screams if you don't know what I mean and just prepare to be inspired. And when that happens, I'll be sure to let you know. So I'll be staying in touch with Brady because she has really swept me up in her exciting journey. And I honestly look forward to her Instagram updates when she does them and her blog updates too. So her Instagram handle is Kiwi Girl on a budget, and her blog is KiwiGirlOnABudget.com and I'll link to them in my show notes. So head there if you're looking for some debt-killing motivation and Brady, once again, thank you so much for so generously sharing your updated journey with myself and everyone listening to this. Now, the next update I wanted to talk to you about was our young retiree, Lisa. When we spoke back in 2017, she was in the final mathematical throes of finishing up her job and having a two-year, what she called, practice retirement. There had been a few restless nights sleep as she woke up crunching numbers, and I wanted to know if she'd gone through with this retirement as she actually retired. Well, of course she is. Just to recap, last time I spoke with Lisa, it was for season one, episode three, Investing for an Early Retirement. Make sure you have a listen if you've not heard that already. She was preparing to retire completely by the young age of 44 and she told me the story of her life so far and it involved her journey to New Zealand, the creation of a business with her then-husband that was profitable but really, really stressful and she told me about her subsequent painful divorce and loss of that business and her journey to get back up on her feet again. Now her divorce left her with a debt-laden commercial property that she rented out as she fled the country, uh, and she left to stay with family in Europe to just recover, and many years were spent living overseas while she created a new life for herself, and it was reconnecting with a Kiwi friend that got her back to the land of the long white cloud Aotearoa. During her time away, the commercial building had paid itself off and her years in Europe had been extremely frugal ones where she learned to live off the smell of an oily rag and to save the money left over. Now that commercial property which she sold upon her return to New Zealand was to be the building block to get her life restarted. Our chat in late 2017 found her in a fully paid for property in the Queenstown Lakes area of New Zealand in a really stunning tiny home that Lisa and her new husband had built for themselves. Now fast forward to April 2018 and we spoke by phone again, only this time she was sitting in her office in a Christchurch house on a cold autumn day where the inside temperature was a freezing cold, 11 degrees. So it appears that a lot has changed for Lisa in the last six months. So Lisa, when we talked, had been preparing to retire and I am very pleased to say that she has done it aged 44. Her last paid work was on the 23rd of December when she pressed send on her computer, sat back and thought that's it, no more. And between Christmas and New Year she got her final billing out of the way, archived all of her work files and deleted everything work related off her internet browser. Her last official day of work was December the 31st, 2017. So it was therefore on January the 1st, 2018 that the magnitude of what she has accomplished really hit her. Clearly a lot more has changed besides retiring and I really wanted to know more. Retiring for Lisa coincided with deciding to move from Queenstown Lakes to Christchurch and, as luck would have it, during the five years that they owned their property down south, The value of the land they lived on had skyrocketed and more or less doubled in value, which we both agreed was completely bonkers. So they decided to sell up and free up capital and that would aid her in her retirement and in the process they've moved from a very high cost of living area with a lovely wee warm home on a large piece of semi-rural land to a bigger and apparently much colder house and a lower cost of living in the city suburbs of Christchurch. Lisa was quick to point out that the increased value in their property was purely down to the land going up in value and the fact that the increases in that area were, in her mind, absolutely ludicrous. Now, Lisa has lived a very simple lifestyle for many years and if you will recall from the last time we spoke, she and her husband were always super frugal. And as a result, she came into contact with a lot of the workers in the area and all of them, she said, were struggling. From her hairdresser to her dental assistant to the shop workers whom she regularly met, they were all struggling and they were all thinking of moving away. And she said that each time she spoke to her hairdresser, which given her frugal ways was, I grant you not as often as you might think, her rent had increased in the cold home that she actually lived in. And unless these people had moved there 15 years ago and managed to buy a house, then they were finding it just too expensive to stay and rent. And being a tourist region, many, many houses are now rented solely on Airbnb because there is so much more money to be made. And this takes them off the market for the people who serve you and I a flat white coffee when we visit. Many people suggested to Lisa that they Airbnb their own property. And while she does not begrudge others in the decisions they make, morally she was having a hard time justifying it as an option for herself. Now we are always hearing about the cost of housing in Auckland being prohibitive to many. Well, Lisa can assure you that the same applies in the Queenstown Lakes region. It was because of this rapid change and sense of exclusivity that she just didn't feel a sense of belonging anymore. So they sold up and they moved. Purchasing a house in Christchurch was a real juggling act. With no idea how long their property down south would take to sell, they wanted to be able to buy a house in Christchurch outright with cash with no lending. They ended up spending what feels to me like a big chunk of change, $560,000, which she told me was a mid-range price. But for their money they got a large house and a full-size section. Only problem she is finding is that the previous owners who designed the house and had it built 40 years previously decided that heating would not be necessary, hence her freezing her butt off in her 11 degree office when we spoke. Now, when we did speak, she had not been in the home long and clearly a few changes were going to need to happen to make the place more comfortable. Now, over a period of many months, many open homes, many trips back to mow lawns, etc., their property down south did eventually sell for more than what they were both expecting, over a million dollars, which, believe you and me, Lisa, was astounded about. And Lisa and her husband, they still keep separate finances, so once all the paperwork is complete, they will each make their own decisions about what to do with their portion. And sitting in her chilly office is where Lisa spends a lot of time researching and thinking and looking into her investments and calculating if she has enough to stay retired. So a few months into her retirement now, I asked her how she is doing. She wishes she had done it earlier, pulled the plug on working, bitten the bullet and retired sooner. All of her spreadsheets are showing her that she has got this and her first few tentative months into not working are going really well. Each day she's up at 6am and she spends a few hours on her computer each morning waiting for the sun to come up, updating her fabulous spreadsheets of which she has many, uh, looking at her banking and investment accounts daily, doing her husband's accounts and doing a lot of reading on anything related to finance. She goes running and is also working on the property they are now in as the yard in particular needs a whole lot of work. And her freed up time has meant she has started playing music again because she has time to practice and she has joined up with a band and also because she has time, she's about to learn a new instrument for the first time in a very, very long time. And when we spoke, she was also working on doing her tax return, which she said with a laugh is taking her far longer than she had anticipated. But let's face it, she now has the time, right? Photography was one of the passions she was looking forward to spending time on and she is slowly starting to get involved in that as well. Now plus she would like to study again possibly towards becoming a financial advisor because one thing she would like to do, something that is common among many retirees and people who have turned their lives around and worked out how to be good with money is to give back and pass on the lessons that they have learned. She came across a budget advice service in Christchurch and has offered her time but no one has come back to her as yet. She wondered if it was because she was not qualified so she thought she might pursue a qualification because helping others be good with money really interests her and in my mind people could learn an awful lot of good habits off Lisa. The fact she is retiring at 44 should almost be qualification enough in my mind. She is now reading an enormous amount, at least two to three hours a day, and has discovered that the Christchurch Library gives you free access to hundreds of magazines, so she is soaking up publications like The Listener, The Economist, New Scientist, lots of photography mags, BBC Classical Music mags, The New Zealand Property Investor, and obviously a range of newspapers. She still enjoys blogs about living more cheaply in New Zealand, and says there are some great tips out there all about being frugal and saving money. She's still reading a lot of finance blogs with OurNextLife.com being a really important one at the moment. The writers of that blog, although American-based, retired at the same time as Lisa so they are answering many questions that she has. And everything that she reads says that if in the first 10 years in retirement the markets have a good run, well you can basically relax. Well, of course the markets have just been enjoying a good 10 years and she is quite worried that markets might not continue to go as well now and that she is potentially retiring into a slump in the market. But only time will tell, I guess. Now all of this has got her thinking about her asset allocation and that it might be a bit risky and it has her thinking about what to do about the whole rate of withdrawal question and how she can best protect herself. Lisa has two years of cash, or about 10% of her portfolio, on hand and the remaining 90% in a variety of index funds. She is now concerned that two years of cash is not enough if the market is about to get bumpy. With the sale of the property down south, she is going to use that money to change her investment mix to a more conservative 40-60 split that is holding a big 40% as cash. Ideally, she said she would like to have five years of expenses close at hand that she can draw on. And since we last spoke in the first podcast, she has added more index funds to her portfolio and she continually wonders if she is too diversified now. And I must admit that is a common um, question I get asked. So the bulk of her money is in New Zealand and USA still with the NZ Top 50 and the US 500 funds and to a much lesser extent using smart shares. She is also in the NZ Mid-Cap Fund because they cover more New Zealand small to medium-sized businesses and also in a Total World Fund, a Mid-Cap Asia-Pacific Fund and also an Emerging Markets and Europe Fund. So she is now looking at the new Simplicity Bond Fund which has just started. She loves the company philosophy of simplicity and was particularly impressed when she deposited a largish sum from the uh, deposit being paid on the property they were selling into her accessible growth fund. And the CEO, Sam Stubbs, he personally phoned her to acknowledge the new investment. So, if you're listening, Sam, nice move. The personal touch appears to be working. She has a godson and has set up what is called a My Future Fund through Superlife for him. She has him invested in a total world fund and it's been running for about six months. But given world events, it's not performing too well at the moment, unfortunately. So that is another one for her to keep an eye on and adjust or change as she sees necessary. She controls the fund, but it's in her godson's name and he will get access to it when he's 25. Now investments in this fund get her out of buying lots of throwaway kids presents for the foreseeable future, which is a huge bonus to Lisa, and I'm sure that her godson is going to thank her for it one day as well. Now the other side to Lisa is her frugalism, and that has not let up at all. I asked her what the most extravagant thing was that she had bought for herself in the last 90 days. As we spoke, she looked at her spreadsheet closely, very, very closely, and she really struggled to find something other than the odd coffee out in a much-needed haircut. She was surprised that she had not done anything more extravagant, but she pointed out that she has not been depriving herself. There was just nothing that she desired or needed, and in actual fact, she spends more on gifts for other people. But after much digging, she did unearth the fact that she had booked tickets back to Europe in the last 90 days to visit family but this trip was six months in the planning, carefully budgeted for and was not a frivolous purchase at all. So how does Lisa structure her day-to-day finances now that there is no paycheck coming in each month? Well as mentioned she and her husband keep separate finances so each week she contributes $550 to their joint account and they use this to buy groceries, pay the rates, pay the insurance and pay the power bill etc. And she keeps a daily eye on things and knows exactly where she is, what she has spent and what is coming up for her to pay. And if anything, her spreadsheet has become even more detailed and more specific. After talking to her last time, I didn't think that she could add any more detail, but she has found a way, she tells me. Now, everything is still paid for on a credit card, and this is, of course, paid off in full monthly. But the money to pay that card now comes not from her paycheck, but from the two years of living expenses, money that she has set aside. And at the moment, she has enough for a year that is directly accessible and the rest is laddered on term deposits that come up for renewal every three months. And her intention is to carry on with this laddering so she knows money can be regularly freed up for living expenses. And if it's not used, well, it's simply reinvested. She still makes sure that she pays the minimum of $1,042 into KiwiSaver each year as she is still entitled to the member tax credit even though she is not in employment and she has money set aside for her phone bill, which is the cheapest plan she could find, just $15 a month. Uh, She's got money set aside for dental, for medical expenses and glasses, for gifts for others and that sort of thing. And her travel back to Europe to see her family at least once a year is still factored into her monthly budget as well. And as she pointed out, travel always pumps up her living costs. And what about her husband? (laughs) What does he make of this wife of his calling time on working at age 44? Well, he is equally financially independent and he could join her in retirement if he wanted to. And she thinks that watching her has been a really good lesson for him. Since coming to Christchurch, he is flat out working and is getting a bit tired and fed up with it already. He works for himself and is clearly good at what he does, but he is wanting to turn down a bit more work so he can get a better balance in his own life. He is much more careful than her with money, if that is even possible, and he is concerned about running out of money. But Lisa said that by observing her being so resolute and taking this path, it might just give him the courage to know that it can be done. She is very optimistic about all this and thinks what could possibly go wrong. And because they don't have kids, there is no one to be responsible for, so she can take the calculated risk that she has. And when her husband sets off to a hard day at work with his nicely packed lunch, which she has created because she has time, and when he returns at the end of the day to a beautifully cooked meal, which she has prepared, he is probably thinking to himself that this arrangement actually has some pretty good benefits. And as a couple they would love to take on a house build again and work together on a big project or in their case a very small house build project. So that is a joint goal that they are working towards and Lisa said it would be really fun to have the time to really research and help coordinate a build. I feel an episode of Grand Designs New Zealand coming on but one where the house is actually completed on time and on budget. Now Lisa said it is such a freeing feeling to have no debt and there is no way on earth she could do what she is doing if she was carrying debt. The first couple of months of trying out this lifestyle sees her with her eye very closely trained on all of her investments and there is certainly the doubt of have I got this right, should I change or tweak this. I would imagine her thoughts are much more like the first airplane flights ever taken, full of day one nerves of, oh my God, did I design this thing correctly? Uh, She feels she has probably taken a conservative path, but she does not want to have to go back to work ever again. If indeed she ever works in a paid job again, it will be because she wants to do something that she loves. So she wants to play it safe with index funds, term deposits maybe a bond fund etc and just let them do the hard work for her and I very much imagine that after a year or two everything will be much more on autopilot because she knows that the systems she has set up are actually working. And full credit to Lisa, this self-taught investor who is still really actively learning. She is understandably delighted to be where she is at and in typical New Zealand fashion is understated about the amount of work it took to get her to this point. I reckon If she can sort out the heating problem in her house prior to winter really hitting, she has her life just about perfect. And good on her. And a huge thanks to Lisa for once again sharing her life, giving us a wee bit of an update and uh, letting you and I know what's been happening in the last couple of months. Before I wrap up, I have another quick message from today's sponsor. They help me bring you this podcast for free, which is, in actual fact, the exact amount of money the super frugal Brady and Lisa like to spend A huge thank you to Superlife Invest for helping me bring this episode to you today. Remember that Superlife, which is managed by SmartShares, is your home for savings and investments, offering both low fees and a broad range of investment options to choose from. Visit superlife.co.nz to download a copy of the product disclosure statement and sign up to Superlife Invest. So that's all from me this week. I'll be back next Wednesday with another money journey of another Kiwi. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit subscribe and it will automatically update in your podcast app each time I release a new episode. If you want to get in touch, you can find me at thehappysaver.com and I would love it if you could give me a five-star review in iTunes and share this with your friends. Those are the best ways that people can learn about my podcast and I would love it if you would talk more about money with your own friends and family and help me continue to help others be better with money. So, until next time, happy saving.